Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. Praise the Lord, everybody. Davis in the 34th Psalm, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. And we're lifting up the only saving name under heaven, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a privilege it is to be with you today and last night. Didn't God meet us in such a wonderful and incredible way? And I'm just believing he's going to do the same today and again tomorrow. So we are so uh, appreciative of each and every one of you that has taken time to be in the house of the Lord. And we give honor to your fine pastor and his family appreciate them and their dedication to the kingdom of heaven if you have your bibles we're going to open and we're going to read from the book of jude and there's just one chapter in the book of jude and we're going to start at verse number 20 and we're going to read down to verse number 23 Jude 1 and verse number 20. And as you're turning there, I want to say how much I appreciate my lovely wife and my son Shiloh. Uh, we are so overwhelmed by what God is doing in our lives, seeing people receive the Holy Ghost and baptize in Jesus' name and miracles that are taking place. And I'm just believing that this year is going to be the best yet for the church. Do you believe that? 2023 and the word of the Lord tells us this Jude 1 and 20 it says but you beloved building up yourselves on your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost keep yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life and of some have compassion making a difference another save with fear pulling them out of the fire. Verse number 22 says, there are some that have compassion. And whenever you have compassion, it will always make a difference. And the next verse says, some will go so far to pull others out of the fire. And so with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach to us today on this subject. The church is pulling for you. The church is pulling for you. Would you lift your hands? Would you lift your voices? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, your spirit is already in this place. We're asking you, Lord, to speak to us and let your word do what is designed to do. Let your word encourage and empower, equip and endow, envelop and enlighten, and we give you praise and thanks for what's getting ready to transpire in our midst. God, we pray in the name that's above every other name. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. Will you love the Lord? Just shout yes. You ready for a move of God? Just shout yes. You ready for three hours of great preaching? Shout yes. Woo! 
it feels good on Saturday. Uh, you may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Well, you and I are living in such a peculiar moment in time. Perhaps now more than ever, there is this constant uncertainty about the future. Each morning when the day begins and the sun rises, we are faced with an unpredictability about what is going to happen next. And about the moment you think you got it all figured out, just get ready. It's all liable to change. And with these changes, it can bring on feelings of uncertainty, of confusion, even feelings of helplessness and hopelessness. Yet despite the adversity that you and I may face, there is still a church, a church that is sure, it is strong, and it is stable, a church that is steady, and it has stood the test of time. The church knows how to rise to the occasion. Only the church can be comforting during a time of crisis. The church is, uh, it is strong in times of suffering. The church is durable in times of disaster. The church is relentless even in moments of recession. It's unstoppable when all else is unstable. It is the church of the living God. And I found out a long time ago that if I have the weight of the world heavy on my shoulders and if the cares of life may be bogging me down, if I can somehow, some way make it through the doors of the church, there is something special about this place. I can be uplifted and encouraged and strengthened. David said in Psalm 27 and 4, he said, One thing have I desired of the Lord. And that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Psalm 122 and 1, he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalm 16 and 11 tells us what's in his house is his presence. And in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. When you began to feel the awesome presence of the Lord, when you began to feel that love began to go from the top of your head down to the sole of your feet. You can leave renewed and refreshed with a new lease on life, knowing that whatever God wants to do in my life, it can be done. Uh, I'm here to today to tell you that just a little while in his presence, you can do anything. If there's a life, you can live it. If there's a star, you can reach it. If there's a job, you can do it. If there's a class, you can teach it. If there's a book, you can write it. If there's a degree, you can earn it. If there's a business, you can build it. If there's a song, you can sing it. If there's a gospel, you can preach it. If there's a hell, you can miss it. If there's a heaven, you can make it. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. 
you can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Uh, how is it that the church can be so optimistic when others are so pessimistic? It, it can baffle the world at times. How is it that you have so much happiness and a smile on your face and a positive attitude when you are bombarded with negativity, negative news, negative articles, negative stories, negative events. It's because we know where our hope lies. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is not in our abilities, accomplishments, or accolades. Our hope is not in our insight, intelligence, or ingenuity. Our hope is not in our proficiency, productivity, or prosperity. Our hope is not in our efficiency, our education, or our expertise. Our hope is not in our mastery, our means, or our money. But Colossians 1.27 says, Is Christ in you the hope of glory? Christ in you the hope of glory. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in you, greater is he that is in me, than he that is in the world. He promised us in Hebrews 13 and 5 that I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. Jesus said, I'll go to the ends of the earth with you. He'll be with us in the good days, in the bad days. He's still present when we're up or if we're down, if we're high or if we're low, if we're on the mountaintop or if we're crawling through the valley. He's still the same. He's the same God. Mark 9 and 2 says he's the God of the mountaintop. 1 Kings 20 and 28 says he's not just God of the hills, but he's a God of the valley. He's God, Exodus 3 and 1, when we're alone on the backside of the desert. He's God, Exodus 16 and 10, when we wander in the wilderness of worry. He's God, Daniel 3, 25, when we're in the fiery furnace of our trial. He's God, Daniel 6, 22, when we're in the lion's den of persecution. He's God, Mark 4, 39, when the storms of life are raging. The songwriter said he's God when the lightning flashes. He's God when the thunder roars. He's God way up in heaven and he's God down in my soul. He's constant. He's consistent. He's what Solomon said is that ever-present help in the time of trouble. And so no matter what you and I may face, we have this assurance that God is with us. Uh, but you and I know that when we step away from the church, we're not surrounded by our brothers and sisters of like precious faith. It's hard to believe and agree to the things that we agree with in the moment in the service. Even when we flip through the pages of the Bible, we see these times when the disciples were separated from the group, times when they were isolated and alone. And in those times, it's not always the easiest thing to do to serve the Lord. Acts chapter 12 says it was in a great time of persecution. The church was being attacked 
on every which way. And the king, Herod, had went so far to kill James, the brother of John. And when he see that he couldn't be stopped, he set his sights a little higher went for the leader of the church, a man by the name of Simon Peter. Simon Peter, no stranger to Scripture. He's the one that when Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? It was Simon Peter that spoke up and said, I know who you are. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. It was that same man that was on the boat with the disciples when the storm started raging. And they looked out and they saw a ghost out on the water. The disciples got so worried and upset, thought there was some kind of spirit, but it was Simon Peter that spoke up and said, I'm going to tell you who that is on the water. That's not a ghost. That's Jesus walking to us. Well, when the other disciples want to be swayed and they want to be convinced otherwise, they said, no, it's not. That is some kind of ghost out on the water. It was Peter that spoke up and said, listen now, y'all have watched too many Harry Potter movies. That's not a ghost out on the water. That's Jesus. And he stepped out of the boat and walked on the water with Christ. Uh, it was Simon Peter that got up, got up on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.38 and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It was that same one that was so revered. He was so renowned. He had become such a legend that the people just longed for his shadow to pass over them because they knew they could be healed. But now the man that was the catalyst for revival, the one who was rallying the troops, now this man found himself in a jail cell, chains on his hands, chains on his feet, guards on either side of him. Herod was going to take no chance whatsoever. There was going to be no way that Peter could escape. So try to envision, if you can, try to imagine in your mind Peter laying on this cold, hard prison floor. His body is hurting. He's been beaten over and over again. His mind is weary, and he has to be thinking to himself that if they would kill James, what do you think they're going to do to the leader of the church? This is not going to be good for me. And, and so we see him laying on the floor. Somehow he's able to close his eyes, begin to drift to sleep. And as his eyes are closed, the Bible tells us that a light began to shine. When that light began to shine, the guard on the left fell and he hit the ground. The light shined again. The guard on the other side fell and he hit the floor. And as Simon Peter's trying to wake himself up, he, he's trying to, uh, just trying to realize what exactly is going on. And he looks up and there is an angel that's towering over him. 
Have you ever been uh, sleeping and you woke up and you didn't know if you're still sleeping or if it's a dream? Am I really awake or did I eat too much cheese pizza last night? I don't know. That's where he was. He's looking up and it looks like there's an angel standing here. As Peter is trying to comprehend everything that is happening, this angel says, come on, it's time to go. Matter of fact, the angel gets a little upset. He smites Peter and says, hey, come on, hometown, it's time to go. Now, I like to put myself in the Bible right when it's going on. Uh, try to envision what it must have been like as Peter is chained. His hands are chained. His feet are shackled to the floor. And now I don't know if he said it. Maybe he just thought it in his mind for a moment. If he just thought to himself, if I wasn't chained to the floor, I would follow you and get out of here. But the angel, he just was over and over again, almost to the point of being belligerent. You've got to get up and you've got to go now. And so, okay, I don't know how this is all going to work, but notice what the scripture says. It says when he began to stand up, the chains just began to fall off of him. Sometimes when God calls us, he's calling us to a place that we don't think we can get there. I've got too many chains holding me down, chains of debt, chains of responsibility, chains of doubt, chains of discouragement. I can't do what you have called me to. Look at how I'm tied down. But if you will respond to the word of God, if you will respond to the word of the Lord, I can promise you this afternoon that the chains will fall off of you, whatever they may be. The chains will disappear. They'll even vanish. So now the angel looks at him and says, get your sandals on and let's go. So Peter walks over and slips his crocs on his feet, and he starts following the angel. And they walk out of the first ward. Then they walk out of the second ward. Then they began to walk out of the jail, and they're walking towards the gate. And as they're walking to the gate, Peter has got to be pondering in his heart and in his mind, if they catch me... Before I get out of here, this is going to get ugly in a hurry. If these guards apprehend me before we can make this jail break, this is not going to be a pretty sight. But he just follows the angel. And as he follows the angel, it tells us that the gate just opens up and they walk out. Now, to the outsider looking in, it may seem like just coincidence or happenstance. It may seem like an angel just showed up and appeared. But to know exactly what took place, we have to go back to Acts chapter 12 and verse number 5. When it was found out that Peter had been put in prison, the word of the Lord says prayer was made without ceasing by the church. If you really want to know how he got out, the church pulled him out of that prison cell. 
Hey, never discount the power of a praying church. There is validity that comes when a church begins to pray. Hey, there's times you may not have realized it, but you avo avoided a car accident. You just barely missed a wreck. It wasn't your reflexes. There was a church that was calling your name out. There was a church that was pulling you. The reason why some of us avoid a toxic relationships or got out of a bad relationship is because there was a church that was calling your name out. There was a church that said, you got a plan for them, God. You've got a destiny. Cover them with your blood. Protect them any way you can. Uh, the church can pull you out. I can't speak for anybody else, but I know there was some things in my life that aligned up, not always because I made the best decisions, not always because I was making the right choices, but there was somebody in my corner that was praying for me to succeed. We see it happening again just eight chapters later in Acts 20. We find that the church had come together again and they were having a service. And the reason why they were having a service is because they had a speaker come. And it was none other than Paul himself. Paul, that anointed apostle. Paul, that powerful preacher had come. And so Paul began to preach. In Acts 20 and verse 9, it says that he was long preaching. Somebody's praying, oh God, don't let that happen right now. He was long preaching. And while he was preaching, we find there was a young man there by the name of Eutychus. And he was trying his best to pay attention. He was trying his best to keep his eyes open. But the longer that man spoke, the more mundane his voice became. You ever been there before? I found out, Pastor, when people are not enduring your sermon, they're not always agreeing with you. They caught themselves sleeping and they're trying to play it off. That's right. That's right. Especially when it's a heavy jerk. That's right. Uh, that's what was happening when Paul was preaching. Eutychus, he was trying to keep his eyes open. When people are shaking themselves, that's usually a good clue. He's trying to shake himself and finally he makes this mistake. He, he leans up against this window when he leans up against the window, it's too late. His eyes close, his head goes down, and he's sound asleep. And while he's laying on this window, he begins to slide. And as he begins to slide, before he can catch himself, he falls out three lofts, three stories high, boom, and hits the ground. Just like that, you could hear a pin drop in the service. Eutychus fell, and everybody knew at the exact moment what his fate was. It's almost like you could hear the sniffles of the grandmothers. You, you could hear the whispers of so many. D did you see what just happened? And they looked out the window, and there they saw Eutychus, and he was not moving a muscle. Paul, realizing everything that's happening, he, he stops preaching and he begins to walk down the steps. And as he begins to walk down the steps, he, he's beginning to walk towards Eutychus. 
And he kind of looks back, and everybody's watching with their iPhones recording on Facebook Live. Somebody's recording on YouTube. you got to see what's getting ready to happen. And Paul's walking. He sees this young man. He, he's not moving. He's not speaking. He's not breathing. Everybody knows what happened. He fell to his demise. And, he, and Paul, as he begins to walk towards him, he does something a little unorthodox. Acts 20 and verse number 10, it says that Paul embraced him. Now, when he embraced him, I don't know how to explain it, but you can literally love somebody uh, back to life. He did something that they weren't expecting. Uh, he embraced him, uh, and he had compassion. Hey, there's something about when you extend the love of God to somebody, uh, it can do what nothing else, what absolutely nothing else can do. He embraced him. I just kind of got a feeling he looked back and said, Hey, I know we all watched him fall out of church. Hey, I know you were there. We were eyewitnesses to when he made shipwreck of his life. Some are already writing his eulogy. Some are already ordered his graveside flowers. Some have already said he's gone and he's never coming back. Some have already made up their minds. You can't fall and ever return. But Paul was showing us, doesn't matter how high you fall or how hard you hit, there is, there is a place you can go in God where the church can pull you back. That's what Paul did. He embraced him. And when he did that, verse 10 says, life came back. <gasps> Breath came back in his body. His eyes opened back up. And Paul grabbed him by the hand and led him up the steps, put him in a seat, and then kept on preaching. But that's the definition of a long-winded preacher right there. Nothing's going to stop him. But there is something to be said about the love of God. Ephesians 2 and 4 says God's love is great. John 3.16 says God's love is giving. 1 John 3.16 says God's love is sacrificial. 1 Corinthians 13 and 4 says God's love is patient. His love is kind. 1 John 4.18 says God's love is perfect. God's love is fearless. Ephesians 3.19 says God's love surpasses knowledge. Jeremiah 31 and 3 says God's love is from everlasting to everlasting. Song of Solomon 8.7 says many waters cannot quench his love. Floods cannot drown his love. The scripture says the heavens cannot contain his love. The earth is filled with his love. 1 John 4 tells us why. It says, God is love. Yes. You can't talk about God and not talk about love. You can't talk about love and not talk about God. He loves you when you're unlovable. He cares for us when nobody cares. He believes in you in your lowest moment, in the most troublesome trial, in the longest day, in the darkest night. His love is the same. 
He loves us when we are low, when we are lonely, when we are lost. He loves you if you're broken. He loves you if you're bitter. He even loves you if you're backslidden. You can't run from God. You can't hide from God. You can't hide from his love. No matter where you may be, his love has a way of chasing you down. Because it's God that does the reaching, and it's the church that does the pulling. God's love reaches you, and the church pulls you in. So was it long ago, and I'm getting ready to close. The music's about to come. Was it long? I had the privilege of youth pastoring for about three years in, in inner city Indianapolis, and our church was in a real rough part of town. Because of that, a lot of the young people that came didn't have any church background, didn't have any religious training whatsoever, and they came from some tough situations. And it always amazed me that those that acted like they didn't even want to be there when the Holy Ghost began to move, those were the very ones that the Spirit of God just zeroed in on. There was one young man in particular. His name was William. And I knew where, where he had come from and what he had dealt with. And he was sitting in the very last row in youth service. And we preached and sang. And the power and presence of the Lord began to move. And I watched as William just hung his head. And he was fighting. You know, you can fight during an altar call. You can fight to try not to come. Or you can surrender and just come. He was fighting the whole time, trying not to get too wrapped up, trying not to get too involved. I watched as God just wanted to leave him alone. Finally made up in his mind to come up to the front. He stepped out of where he was sitting, made his way down to the front. And that love of God began to fall upon him. Standing there, tears began to stream down his face and hands lifted up. He repented of his sins and standing right in the youth service, the Holy Ghost fell. And William was filled with the wonderful gift of the Spirit of God. There was no doubt what had happened. I was there, got to baptize him in Jesus' name. The transformation that took place in his life. William started to slip. Missed a service here, a service there. and wasn't long. I hadn't seen him for about six months. And he'd call me on the phone. And he'd say, now, Brother Doug, I know I'm not where I need to be, but I just don't know if I can come back. Just don't know if I, if I can do that. Don't know if I'll be accepted. And you know, that's a lie from the enemy. The scripture says he's the father of all liars. He will convince you you're not loved, you're not welcome, you're not accepted. They don't care anything about you when the exact opposite has been accurate. I said, come on, son, just come on back. And William would come. And that's what I love about the Lord. He's more interested in our future than he is our past. He's more interested in what we can become rather than what we have been. God would forgive him and cleanse him and refill him and renew him in the Holy Ghost. And William would be blessed all over again. But I watched as the same pattern began to unfold. And he began to miss and 
Finally, it had been almost a year since I had seen him, talked to him. So it was a Monday night. I, I can still remember. It was a Monday night. He called me on the phone. We made small talk for a moment. He said, I know what I need to do. I just don't know if I can. I said, well, I'll tell you what, buddy. Let's just go get a bite to eat. Let's just get a little hamburger. And so we're sitting at the restaurant and having a sandwich. And sometimes you just got to lay it all on the line. I said, you know what you are? You're a man without a country. No matter where you go, you don't fit in. You just can't go back in the world and get back into the party scene because your life has been marked. And you can't just go back to the church because you're doing wrong and you're doing things you know you shouldn't be. And you don't feel comfortable. You don't feel welcome. And I say, you know what, y'all? You're a man without a country. But if you would make up in your mind that one eternal yes to God, I'm going to give him everything and I'm not going to look back. He said, I want to do that. I want to do that. I said, well, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's go to church. I know we're not having service, but I'll call a couple friends, and we'll go. We'll pray together. We'll, we'll just lift up the Lord in prayer, and we'll see what God does. And I can still recall exactly where I was sitting on the second row, last seat. Had my head in my hands. I was kind of praying to myself, and William came, and sat down beside me, wrapped his arm around my shoulder. He said, Brother Doug, I got the Holy Ghost again. He said, why do I keep running from the best thing that's ever happened to me? That's a question a lot of people need to ask themselves. Why would you want to run from somebody who loves you unconditionally? Why would you want to run from somebody who's got your best interests in mind? Why would you want to run from somebody who's never going to stab you in the back? He's never going to break your heart. He's never going to walk out of your life. He will be with you. Dropped him off at his house and called him the next day said hey buddy I'm just checking in if you need anything just let me know he said all right he said well tomorrow Wednesday's church I'm gonna be there on Wednesday I said all right there's no pressure I'd love to see you I'd love to see you there so Wednesday morning came I was working a warehouse job at the time and my phone rang and it was my pastor's wife and very out of the ordinary that she would call me and as I answered the phone, and as soon as I answered, the very first words out of her mouth, she said, Did you hear what happened to William? I said, Well, I don't know. Explain. What do you mean? What happened to William? And she said, They found him this morning. He was dead. And I said, no, We're probably talking about two different Williams because I was talking to him just last night. He's only about 18 years old. And she said, No, that was him. They found him this morning. He was gone. Little did we know when the autopsy came back, he had cancer in his body. Didn't even know it. See, this last two and a half years has taught us anything. It's taught us that life is fragile. Life can be snatched from you in a moment. All it takes is one diagnosis, one car accident, and the life that you, had, you thought you had lots of years ahead can be snatched and taken away. And I was sitting in the funeral home, it was a sad occasion. Yes, we cried lots of tears. A life that was taken too soon. But 
before I got up to speak, there was a thought that the Lord gave me. I felt like the Lord impressed on me. He said, do you see how much I loved him? I didn't wait till Sunday. I spoke to him on Monday. And I started thinking to myself, that's the love of God that we have. He doesn't even wait till scheduled services. He'll find you when you're laying your head. I feel the Holy Ghost, my God. He'll find you when you're laying your head on the pillow at night. He'll find you when you're in the club somewhere unhappy. He'll find you when you're sitting on a bar stool trying to drink your sorrows. He loves us. I'm here to tell you today it's his love that's in this room right now and you may not even know what you're feeling but you're feeling the church and the church is pulling for you I wonder today if you would stand with me as every head is bowed as every eye is closed with nobody looking around if you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit AphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 